Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and to the age of ages. Amen. Good morning. Our meditation this morning is entitled, A Tree is Known by Its Fruit. And it's being inspired from today's Gospel, taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, in which the Lord Jesus said the following words. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good person or a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Glory to God forever. The analogy of the tree is used quite often in scriptures. Our Lord Jesus used it during the Holy Week. We speak uh, about a tree that has no fruit. Again, in this passage, he would speak about it in Matthew 12. He would speak about it in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7 and in the Gospel of Luke is repeated. It is something from nature that when our Lord Jesus Christ would take his disciples and walk out into the fields and he would see trees and fruit-bearing trees and fruitless trees. And this analogy is still relevant to us even until today. If we look at the makeup of the tree, we find that there are three components. First, we see the root, and then we see the branches, and finally, we see the fruit. So many of us are focused on the fruit. But without the root and without the branches, we cannot have healthy fruits. How many of us saw the NBA draft this week on, on Thursday? Anyone interested in that kind of stuff? Just a few of us. Okay. And uh, the, the, the top pick, number one pick, was uh, a young man by the name of Victor Wembenyama. And he's coming from France, and he's a great prospect. They say one of the greatest prospects to enter into, into the draft. And everyone is focused on his stats, how many points he can score, how many blocks, how many rebounds he can get. But what people don't understand or don't speak about, the amount of effort that was exerted by this young man to get him to that level. No one is born having such amazing stats that they can perform on the highest level, on the highest stage in the NBA when the whole world is watching. So everyone is focused on his fruits, but without the roots, without going back to the basics, to the foundation, to know how this young man got to this very high level of competition, then he would never be able to produce so many stats that the whole world is basically speaking about. For this reason, I'd like to speak 
and, and use the same analogies that our Lord Jesus used about the tree in today's gospel, the root, the branches, and the fruit, to help us progress from one stage to the other spiritually. That analogy is very significant to each one of us as we tend to look at how God wants us to lead our life in his presence. So let's look at the root as the foundations or learning the fundamentals of the game, if we're going to speak about sports or about spirituality and our religious identity, if we will speak about our spiritual journey. We're going to speak about the branches as the transformation or the commitment to practicing our faith week in and week out and seeing a healthy living and being coached and understanding that we need to walk every day in his presence to reach ultimately to our final goal. And then finally, we're going to look at the fruit. Uh, if we look at the, at the sports analogy, you know, the score, the rebounds, all the stats, and spiritually speaking, enjoying the journey and producing fruit that is befitting to what God is asking us to do. A tree is known by its fruit. Let's begin with the root. And um, I'm, I'm privileged, or I was privileged as a child, because my father, besides doing many other things, he was also a farmer. And uh, we owned uh, farmland in Egypt and also here in Canada. And we'd always join him to see how he takes plants, how he takes seeds and plants it in the ground, waters it, takes all the weeds out, and, and, and journeys with that seed, or, or if it's a fruit tree, until it brings for, uh, forth uh, the beautiful fruits that, that it does at the end of the season or in case of um, fruit-bearing trees, you know, some years later, I've, I've seen um, many fruit uh, trees grow right before, before my eyes. And, and for farmers, they consider these plants and trees as their children, really, because they care for them individually and they know which tree has these bugs that they need to be treated and uh, which ones, uh, you know, you need to pluck out all the weeds from them. So you begin by planting a seed in the ground and watch it right grow before your eyes. But before you see it come up um, in, in, uh, above ground, there are roots that it is taking, that are taking place. Like you can't rush seeing a tree grow. You need constant, strong, healthy roots to go into the ground to absorb all the water and the nutrients from the soil so that it gives it the strength to start growing above ground. For this reason, the root for us spiritually is the effort that we exert, that we put together into raising our children. And I'm honestly so proud and amazed at the dedication of young families towards their children from the point of birth where they um, lead them, they model before them the Christian living, uh, they bring them to church uh, for the holy baptism, of course, the sacramental life, the holy communion, reading with them the Bible at home, praying with them, and just growing in a healthy environment where they can learn and start developing their religious and spiritual identity. I can't tell you how proud I am of the millennial generation and the Gen Zs, and we're seeing just a beautiful generation or generations rise before our eyes. And it's all due to the dedication of their parents and the amount of effort they are putting to raise this beautiful generation before our eyes. Let me assure you that every time we bring our children to church, 
even if they are not in the happiest mood, or even if they're running around, even uh, if we come for just a small or a short period of, of the service, we are implanting in them the seed. They are growing with the understanding that church is important and God is important. And beyond our presence in the church and Sunday school and, and choir and outings and all of these things, at home we are also praying with them and asking them to observe God in what they do. When we sit before a meal and pray together, or they observe in us that in my own room, I'm going to go in, now it's time to pray and to honor God. If we are uh, putting on some uh, songs or hymns or, or movies that honor God, these are all essential things for them to grow in that healthy environment. These are the roots that we are planting in the ground, the foundations and the fundamentals. When we look at the scriptures in the Old Testament, Hannah went to the altar and she was praying for a child. And God, and, and, and first, of course, um, um, the priest, Ali the priest, thought that she was drunk and he condemned her. He said, no, I'm just praying so for God to give me the fruit of the womb. But after she received that fruit of the womb, she didn't forget that she took him from the altar, from the voice of God, when she heard that, you know, words, amen. And... Um, she came back and she said the following words, Oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord and um, together both Hannah and Elkanah, her husband. That word lent here in context also means granted. I granted him to God. I gave him back to God. Out of your hands, Lord, I give this child back to you. So the first point here about spreading our, the roots of that tree in the ground is thinking about fundamentals and about foundations and about where we stand as a family and as a community, in light of God's commandments, honoring him in, in my life and honoring him in every decision that I make. And um, of course, we know that not every family is going to have a biological child. Not every person will come to God as a child. There are some people who join the faith as adults at a later stage in the life as Christ reveals himself to them. However, whenever... God gives me a chance and an opportunity to witness to him, even if it's not to a biological child, maybe to a nephew, maybe to a child in the family, as an aunt, as an uncle, as a Sunday school teacher, as someone who mentors others, God can still use me because St. John Chrysostom said in the Old Testament, the blessing from God was to have biological children to fill the earth. However, after Christ came, that goal is no longer only to populate the earth, but to populate heaven. And he said that each adult, each member, whether they have biological child or not, they're still able to be a blessing in their context and use their God-given gifts to raise a generation that can honor God. After caring for the roots, we look at the branches. The branches here represent a transformation represents a commitment to my spiritual practices, a healthy living, and a willingness to be coached 
in my spiritual journey. Many of us were baptized as children. Many of us went to Sunday school. And many of us possibly read the Bible or at least know the stories. But our lives hasn't been transformed yet to be in his image and in his likeness. We haven't yet completely surrendered our lives to God to tell him, Lord, you are my God and my Savior. I trust in you and I rely on you to give me that support in my daily living. Look at the model of St. Paul. St. Paul checked all the boxes. He was zealous. He was a Pharisee. He knew the scriptures. He was even persecuting Christians because they seemed like blasphemers who didn't honor the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He thought very justified in himself that he was doing all of these works. However, as he gathered all of this information to go and persecute and stone the Christians, and as he's journeyed to Damascus, something extraordinary happened to him. The scripture says in Acts chapter 9, Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And the goal here for our spiritual journey is to ask this question, Who are you, Lord? And there are many opportunities for us to know more about God, maybe through an illness, maybe through a financial crisis, maybe through a hardship, and maybe through difficult times. What is the conflict in my life that God is going to use for me to get closer to him and to know him on a more personal level? So many of us are just satisfied to go to the beach and kind of swim on the shore and kind of dip our toes in the water. If it's cold, I run away. If it's warm, I say, oh, it's nice. And then I go sit on the beach. But not many are adventurous to venture into the deep and into the depth. And to know, I know there was a submarine accident this week. Everyone was talking about it. So it might get scary to go towards the Titanic and all the way, you know, <laughs> below the surface of, of the ocean. But the idea here is that Jesus invited his disciples to go into the depth. This is where they can catch the fish. And this is where they can experience him. When they can see him walking on the water. They can catch the big fish and, you know, have a livelihood. This is where you experience God by going into the depth. And going into the depth spiritually means that we are now growing branches. Now that we are seeing God in a completely different level, people go through hardships and, and family troubles. And there's one way when we go through troubles and challenges that we get completely distracted and start blaming God and, you know, pointing our finger toward him and blaming him for all the problems that happened. But there are other people who take these challenges as a means to dig deeper into their spirituality, to completely surrender their life to God and say, Lord, I have no one else to run to but you. You are my father and I love you dearly. And I'm willing to commit my life to you, whether it is a hard time or, or not a hard time, an easy time, a difficult time. You are still God. You are still Lord. Why are you persecuting me? It is wrong for you to kick against the goads, asking, who are you, Lord? And when I answer this question, my life will be transformed, just like St. Paul. 
Instead of persecuting the church, I become persecuted for the church. Instead of someone who is hating Christ, I become someone who loves Jesus and is willing to suffer for his sake. The early disciples, as we are now in the apostles' fast, they brought them together and they ordered them not to speak or else they will be killed or martyred or persecuted. And they couldn't stop speaking about Christ. And when they gathered them up together, they beat them up and they let them go. The scripture says that they left away feeling privileged and worthy to be persecuted for the sake of Christ. This is taking the next level. Not leaving church today without lifting my heart to God and say, Lord, you are my God and I'm a master. I honor you. I praise you. I give you the glory in my life. Despite what I'm going through right now in my challenges and my hardships, even if things don't make sense, you still sit on your throne. You are the Pantocrator. You govern this earth and you govern my life. You are master of my life. Spiritual maturity means that I realize that God is my Lord and God and Savior. As St. Paul says in Ephesians, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. I cannot say that I, my life, I'm created for workmanship unless I go to that understanding that I've been saved by His grace. It means that I will intentionally seek opportunities to grow spiritually, to find this maturity in Christ. I'm no longer a child that is tossed fro back and forth uh, by the winds of challenges and trials. And of course, it takes a lot of effort to get there, but ultimately, that's my goal. I'm going to commit to practicing my faith and not give any more excuses of like, I'm tired and I'm overwhelmed and I have a lot of work. And it's so easy to come up with a lot of excuses not to practice my faith. But God is calling us today to take the next level, to take the next step into truly honoring God in my life. And of course, there will be days where I cannot and I wouldn't be able to, but to a great extent, practicing my faith, allowing an understanding that I'm going to make mistakes, but however, I will rise again from my fall and repent and return to the spiritual path. I will have a spiritual mentor who is going to guide me. No one can do it by themselves. We need one another, and that's why we build community. That's why we spur one another for uh, service, for ministry, for practicing our faith and asking about each other. You know, if I'm not here calling someone up and asking, where are you? Why haven't you been able to come? I haven't seen you in a bit. We need to band together in this journey in order to continue spiritually growing and maturing and committing to my life in Christ. Finally, once we have been planted and rooted in Christ, once I feel that my spiritual life is taking off and I'm walking circumspectly, as the scripture says, with order and with planning. We mentioned at the beginning the whole concept of the athletes. Don't ever think that an athlete is able to perform on the court, on the biggest stages, unless they go through these stages. They commit, they learn the fundamentals of the game. 
they commit to practice, they wake up early, and they eat healthy, and um, they do their best. And, and I've seen uh, coaches speak to their team, say, it's not about winning or losing, it's all about performing your best and doing my best. And my best is fully relying on Christ for my salvation, for his grace to fill my life. But after that, surely, I will start bringing fruits. And fruits could have different levels. They could come from individuals. They could come from families. And they can come from congregations and communities together who show the world that Christ rules. And in his name, were able to be active in serving others and in helping others. Ephesians would continue after saying that we're saved by, by grace, not by works. He would say, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And these works are the fruits that come naturally from a healthy tree. They come naturally because we don't have to struggle through them. A heart that is filled with the love of Christ surely wants to help others. The gospel today would speak about the tongue as a means of showing, showing good fruits, healthy fruits. The Lord Jesus said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. In that sense, there are some of us who are very careful in the way that they speak to others. Words are very powerful. They're like swords. They can edify or they can destroy. They can encourage and they could put people down. They could judge others or extend God's love and grace to others. And we have a choice on every word that comes out of our mouth. But words proceed from the thoughts and the thoughts may proceed originally from the heart. So that's why the scripture would speak about where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be also. The good thoughts, the good approaches to life, the positive way that we think about others. And surely we shouldn't let anyone take advantage of us. But God is calling us today to have a choice of words, a way that we approach others. Sometimes we criticize, it's very easy to uh, judge others based on their appearance, physical appearance, based on the way what they drive and where they live, or which country they came from, or their age. There's so many prejudices that we have, or the skin of their color, and it's so easy to prejudge others and put them in a box where this is what they expect. If someone has a tattoo or someone's wearing a pants in a way that you know, doesn't seem to be the perfect way, or the level of their education. All of these things, we as a community now need to challenge ourselves to think above and beyond superficial things that may uh, inc you know, judge others into embracing them and accepting them and starting by shaking someone's hand, welcoming them, embracing them, and being truly a supportive community to anyone who walks into the church. Remember, People walk into the church because they know the church is a hospital for those who need healing. 
Maybe they have experienced church hurt before. Maybe they went to church and the clergy were a bad example. And they were stumbled at you know, what clergy did or, or said. Or other members of, of the community who pretended to be one thing in church, but outside there was something else. And we are all full of errors and mistakes. But we want to try to have the fruit of love, of kindness, of joy, of welcome, of charity, of embracing others, of figuring out the wounds that exist in our society, in our community, and to be a source of healing to those individuals. The words are where we start. A welcoming word, an embracing heart, is what Christ is calling us to have fruits of this morning. The scripture also would speak about the fruit of the Spirit. And this fruit, and it doesn't speak about the fruits, it's one fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of these are things that we can pursue together as individuals, as families. When we think about, well, how do I want to honor God in my life? Am I going to honor Him at work? Am I going to honor Him through service in the church? I'm going to extend my talents and gifts to show that these are given and granted to me by the Almighty God and I want to send it right back to you from your hands, Lord. I honor you and I give it all back to you. We are a community that has a lot of strength and potential. Each and every one of us, not just some of us, when each and every one of us is engaged in the ministry and feel that we are called by God to honor Him and to be servants, it's not just like a title, a badge that I want to wear on my shoulder that says such and such a servant of you know, Sunday school or this or that. But each one of us understands that we have a calling to bring forth fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, living by the Word, not just learning about them at church, but beyond being in the church, serving one another, extending a kind word to each other. I uh, remember um, when I was 19, and uh, His Holy Pope Shinoda was visiting uh, North America for the second time. First time was 77, but in 89, he came back for a historical visit where he started his visit in Toronto, and then he was ending it in, um, in Los Angeles. And I saw him in Toronto, and it was very exciting for me as, as a young deacon to meet His Holiness Pope Shenouda for the first time. And I really wanted to uh, see him in Los Angeles when he was leaving North America. That was his last stop after 100 days. So the church at that time decided to do a trip to LA. And a uh, young, young deacon, young man, uh, newly immigrated to Canada maybe. I didn't have as much budget. Uh, so after I inquired about the trip, and in my heart, I really, really wanted to go. And then I said, no, no, I can't afford it. I won't be able to go. So um, I just didn't mention anything until just a few days uh, before the trip. And then someone came up to me and said, we booked your, your ticket to come with us. No, no. I said, no, no, I can't afford it. It's beyond. I said, no, no, we're going to pay for, for your ticket. We're going to, this is on us. You don't have to think about it. I said, no, no, Why? Um, I can't, no, no, they insisted. I ended up going to this trip and it became a, one of the most memorable trips in, in my life. And uh, I saw His Holiness, I have a picture with, with him uh, in Los Angeles and, and I, I have it, uh, I, I kept it till this day as a reminder of other people's kindness to young people um, without 
getting anything back. Like, you know, the person who, who did this at the time wasn't looking for me to pay them back or, or anything in return. It was just an act of random kindness. It was a fruit, a fruit of, of the faith to help another person who wanted really to do something, but they couldn't and became a big lesson for me. And I, if I'm mentioning this story, uh, how many, 35 years later, it means that it left or implanted in me something big and important that became almost a way of life where, you know, it's important to think about others and the children, the youth of today are the adults of tomorrow. And when other people look at them with potential and trust in them and invest in them and do and act, acts of random kindness, they call it arc acts of random kindness, they will remember it and they will grow up and and want to give back and want to do something to others to help them, inspire them, just like they received when they were younger. Uh, some of us who immigrated to Canada at young age, you still remember who picked you up from the airport and where did you stay for the first few days and who helped you get your social insurance number or health card. All of these things make a difference and these are all fruits that we can participate in when we band together and pray together that God would use us to build his kingdom. Building the kingdom today is our ultimate goal. Planting seeds in people, transforming lives, doing acts of kindness and of love without expecting anything in return. When we teach our children to show charity or, or, or to be generous with, with the poor and, um, and those who are in most need, we are planting in them these seeds, these fruits, these trees that are ultimately going to bring about abundance of lessons in the future. Don't ever think that anything will go to waste. People will come up to you and they say, I remember you said this to me 20 years ago. And you remember you did this, you know, 30 years ago or 10 years ago or 5 years ago. God will bless and reward each person for any fruit of service any fruit of love and of kindness and fruit of the spirit. Even if you say an encouraging word to someone who is going through a hardship, this cup of water will not be forgotten as the Lord Jesus has said. St. Basil the Great said, a tree is known by its fruit, a man by his deeds. A good deed is never lost. He who sows courtesy reaps friendship and he who plants kindness gathers love. My dear friends, today, as we look and take seriously the teaching of the scriptures, our Lord Jesus commanded us today that a tree is known by its fruit. Let us work together hand in hand, bend together to make a difference in our world today. And we are living in a broken world that needs us badly. It needs you and you and you and I and every one of us to do our part. Just do your part as an individual. Maybe in your family, think together and pray, where is God calling us to serve him, to minister to him? Let us raise a beautiful new generation that is going to honor him in worshiping him, in practicing their faith, but also in serving others. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.